All right, what's up, everybody? We are finally back with our latest edition of Let's Talk Harper Public Schools. Let's Talk Harper Public Schools is a talk show designed to highlight the schools in Hartford, Connecticut. We discuss our beautiful and capable students, as well as our staff, families, and partners. Each show, we invite a guest on to talk about who they are, what their relationship is to our schools, and their successes, as well as their challenges. I am your host. I am Mr. Rich. I have been a resident student, teacher, principal, and now executive director. And I'll be your guide on this conversational journey. With that said, let's get into our um, brand new guest for the brand new year. She is our Harper Public Schools Teacher of the Year, Ms. Shakira Perez from Classical Magnet School. Welcome, Ms. Perez. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm so excited to start, the, um, start this year's podcast off with you as our first guest, because I was once a teacher of the year, not a teacher of the year at, at the district level, but at least at my school level. Um, and so I know how important it is uh, to be honored with that distinction, especially for our district. So I'm gonna just kick, it, uh, kick in by asking you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, you know, when you introduced yourself as a resident, student, teacher, all of your titles, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt that, except the rest of it, the, the, light, the later titles, because I also am born and raised in Hartford. Um, I live in Hartford. I moved away, but I ended up coming back here. So, you know, I definitely um, love Hartford, right? I know my son asked me the other day, he was like, why do we live in Hartford? Like, why didn't we stay in California? And I was like, because we have a backyard in Hartford. That's why. <laughs> and we have trees and we have parks and we have culture in Hartford. So um, other than that, yeah, so I'm a resident. I um, student teacher here. Um, I'm neighborhood mom. I'm always yelling at kids outside to get out the street or get their dogs. I'm soccer mom, I'm dance mom, I'm all of that stuff. That's cool stuff, man. Where did you go to school in Hartford? Oh my goodness. Okay, so let me start. Let me start from <laughs> kindergarten. I went to Kinsella. It wasn't the magnet school then, it was just Kinsella. And then I went to, in elementary school, I went to um, Batchelder, I went to Burr, and then I went to Mary Hooker. And after I went to Mary Hooker, I went to Quirk. I was in the classical program there. Bruce, and yeah. then, yeah, and then I went to Hartford High through the classical program is where that's the, the program as well. And that's where I graduated from. From the pub? Yes. Go Hartford High. You know, I'm a, you know, yes. I'm alum. You know, I'm from Hartford oh, High. Oh, I know. I remember yeah. football yeah. games and all yeah. that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what we do. But this ain't about me. It's about you. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, growing up in Hartford, you mentioned a, a couple of different schools. Was there any reason why you went from those different schools in your elementary years? So I believe it was because of my mom, like her work schedule and the people that she needed to be my caretaker. So I remember when I went to um, Batchelder, there was a Colombian woman that used to take care of me. And so when I would go to her house and then when she was no longer able to take care of me, um, then I went to someone else. So it had to be like, you know, close to where we lived so that I was within district as well. So it, w it had to do with my caretakers. Wow. I, I appreciate you sharing that story, even if it's that little bit, because I know that some of the things that our students go through 
till you know until this day right now when it comes to switching schools for different reasons that's family related so thank you for that i just wanted to touch on that when i when i heard the the movement with the schools um what made you become a teacher i believe i've always known that i wanted to be a teacher um when i was younger my mom says i started when i was about five um, I can remember up to age eight, but I used to take all of my stuffed animals and I would line them up and I would like put paper and pen in front of them and I would like teach them math, like simple math, but I would teach them math and their letters. I would like quote unquote yell at them. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's just how those are like my earliest memories. And then I remember when I was in high school you know, family has a lot of influence on what you want to major in, or not a lot of influence, but they have their input. And yeah. so my, I have nurses in my family and they would say, you need to go into nursing because you'll make money and you'll always have a job. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I kind of, that doesn't really interest me. I was more of a free spirit, just kind of doing what I wanted to do. I needed to be creative. I didn't feel like I, I would function well in that kind of environment. So I did it anyway. I, 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 under, you know, the influence of my aunt, I did it. And so I did, I went to Capitol. So after I left classical, after I left Hartford High, I went to Capitol and I did some prerequisites there. And then I transferred over to St. Joseph College. So I was in the nursing program there for a year and then I just, I wasn't feeling it at all. And I went to my advisor, her name was Sister Gurley because you know, the nuns were our advisors. Uh -huh. So I went to Sister Gurley's office and she wasn't there. And I left her a note, I, on a sticky note, I wrote, I wanna be a teacher now, love Shakira. <laughs> and I spelled wanna, W-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. So when she called me back, she's like, you wanna, you wanna be a teacher? I was like, oh, it's just a joke. Like, I know right. I spelled it wrong. <laughs> right. And then from there, I, I mean, I graduated a year late, a year you know, later than I was supposed to, but it was everything that I needed it to be. Like I had to double up on English courses. There was one semester where I was taking Shakespeare, Chaucer, and Greek drama, all, all of those courses on, in the same semester. And I, yeah. I did it. I don't know how, but I did it. And it, it was just a lot, but it was so worth it. It was worth the switch and what I wanted to do. And I had wonderful professors, um, both for the English department and the education department at St. Joseph. So it was... It, it's what I was supposed to do. And then for, for a minute, for a little, you know, a couple years in my life, um, I taught for two years and then I moved away. And then I came back and I was working at community health services as a medical case manager. And I was in my office one day, which wasn't an office, it was like a storage closet that they turned into an office. And I felt like the walls were caving in on me. And I and literally could not breathe, probably because it was a closet. Mm -hmm. But I that's at that moment is when I knew I had to get out of there. Like I cannot, I cannot work another 20, 30 years doing this. Like I need to go back to my first love. And I did. 
And that's awesome. And so what kind of a student were you, and you can go to, you know, elementary to high school, what, what, what kind of student were you? What was your favorite subject? So the type of student that I was, I, I always make the joke and say I wasn't the brightest bulb in the tanning booth because mm -hmm. there were people that are clearly smarter than I was. But I worked really hard. So that was one thing. I always made sure that my work was done, my homework was done. I love to read, so I read a lot of books. Um, and then, so all of that carried, you know, I did elementary school, middle school, and high school. And then when I got to, when I got to senior year, I, I don't, I don't know. There was just something that clicked and I got really scared. And I think that um, I just realized that high school was about to be over. I wasn't going to be protected by my teachers and by, you know, this building and like these relationships that I built over the last four years. And I kind of shut down and I just, I didn't do anything. And, and it, it was really hard on me because I, I know that I worked so hard from elementary and middle and all the way through junior year to just kind of let it all go my senior year. And, you know, as a result, I didn't meet the graduation requirements. So I didn't cross stage. And that wow. at that time is when we had um, our graduation at the Bushnell Theater. So that was like a big, huge yeah. deal. That was huge. I mean, it was televised on public access and everything. And I was not a part of that. And I watched the graduation on public access. Like, mm. devastated. I, and I still, I, I'm getting chills thinking about it because it was just such, such a moment in my life that I, I it, it was just almost traumatic because to the point where I would watch graduations on TV, like, you know, those little sitcom shows like Beverly Hills 90210, and they were graduating, yeah. and I'm watching the graduation, and I'm crying because I didn't get to wear a cap and gown, and, um, but it, it changed me, like, that was that moment that changed me where I was like, okay, you worked way too hard, and you are really selling yourself short here, so I just said to my mom, because, you know, my mom graduated from, from high school. It's not like I'm first generation, but I did promise her that I was going to graduate college. I said, I'm going to go to college. Did you have to go to summer school that year? I did. I went to summer school and I went to summer school. And as a matter of fact, my diploma says August graduate at the bottom. Ooh. Right. So it's not like Ooh. I can even white it out because it's yeah. like on ivory <laughs> paper. <laughs> it's all good. You got that piece of paper. I, yeah, I got the paper. I don't, and you know, the, the August graduate, even that, and it was typed in too. Even that, it just, it humbles me because I, I know why that happens, but I also know everything that happened afterwards. And like, you told your mom, what you say you told your mom? Oh, I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm going to graduate. I promise I'm going to graduate from college. And so I, I did, you know, I did Capitol. I went to St. Joe's and, you know, I just now I'm imagining you know, that graduation right now. And she was there, my aunt was there, who's also, she just retired from Hartford Schools last year. She was a TESOL teacher, she was there. And, you know, my number one supporters are there. And that's, you know, we say that we do things for ourselves, but we also have other people that we keep in mind and they were definitely there to that's, support me through that. 
Speaking of other people, um, favorite teacher of all, of all time? Um, Mary Hooker, sixth grade, Gloria Jackson. She was, you know, she was a black woman and that's yeah, something that okay. I really didn't see a lot during yeah. that time. She, I mean, she was like, I think my second black teacher that I had up until that point and that was in sixth grade. So by then I'd already gone through, you know, kindergarten yep. through um, fifth grade before I got to her. And so I just saw her and I was like, wow, you know, like, and, and she was a good teacher. Yeah. You know, she, she recognized, she was really good. She knew that I liked to read. So she would like, um, give me supplemental stuff and make me feel really smart. So. Do you yeah. take anything, do you take anything from her into what you do now? One thing that I do take from her is setting boundaries with, with students. You know, sometimes I, I teach eighth and 12th grade and the way that I handle them is very different. But like, for example, with the 12th graders, you know, they're under a lot of stress. They are, they have like their full course flow. They have capstone, they have college applications. This, some of them are in sports. So they, they can get very overwhelmed. And I remember a student just, um, she snapped at me and she just got, you know, got real sassy. And I just looked at her, I wasn't upset or anything. And I said, you know what, I'm not taking that on because that has nothing to do with me. So we're gonna end this conversation now. We will resume it again tomorrow. And so, you know, I stopped it right there. She went her way, I went my way. And sure enough, the next day she came to me and she apologized. And I said, that's okay. I, I know that wasn't about me because she was like in the middle of something was happening at work. And it just, you know, I was the closest person to her at that moment right. and she just, I'm the one that she went off on. And, um, you know, just, just like setting those boundaries and letting them know. I tell my students all the time, I'm a loving adversary, right? I love y'all to death, but I have to be firm. And that's so if right. I come across as mean, then that's just what it has to be at that moment. But for right now, this is, this is what it is. I am a loving adversary. I like that. And I can tell that they, um, they respect you more for that mm -hmm. than if you were just either straight up just mean or overly loving, right? So right. you, you got to learn how to balance that. Um, and, and I want to point out the fact that you didn't hold that grudge the next day for that young oh, lady. Oh, no. And, you know, and how, how important that is not to hold grudges when, mm -hmm. you, when, when a student is going through something and, and even recognizing that right. she's going through that. I think it's I, powerful. Yeah, I, another thing that I've learned um, in terms of dealing with students is even apologizing to them because sometimes we, you know, maybe we'll yell at a student or just whatever, we'll misunderstand something and I'll be the first one to say to a student, I am so sorry that I said that the way that I said it or something like that. And again, like just building that rapport and that trust between the student and the teacher is so, so important. And I think that's really what's made um, teaching enjoyable for me. Yeah, I get to teach literature and stuff like that, but I also teach children. Mm. Okay, well, you know what? I don't think you ever told the listeners what subject you teach. I teach English. So I am an eighth and 12th grade teacher. I like to tell the kids that I teach the seniors of the school. So the eighth graders, you know, they're the seniors yeah. of the middle school and then the seniors of the high school and they get a kick out of that. Okay. And you were recently nominated or nominated, I'm sorry. Um, you, were awarded, <laughs> you, were, you were awarded 
um, Harper <laughs> Public Schools 2019-2020 Teacher of the Year. Now, that's, that's out of thousands of teachers. How did that feel? To be honest, I always thought, like, when people do the Teacher of the Year thing within the school, I always thought it was like a popularity contest, uh, right? Yeah. So, like, the most popular teacher got it. And I, w I didn't feel like I was always the most popular teacher. So I feel that getting it this year um, wasn't about being popular anymore. I think it was more the feeling that I get. It was more about, you know, my colleagues just seeing me in the building, seeing me do more. I, and also, I, part of it was my fault, too, right? I really didn't put myself out there. Yeah. either i would just kind of be in my corner so like my little corner right here in this room i would just be in the corner and do my job and not do anything else so when i really started to come out of my shell and people could see what i can do or the different ideas that i had then that may have had you know uh, uh, an effect on them but i choose to believe that because i know that i made an effort to do that more there was no point in me being in the corner. You know how they say nobody puts baby in the corner? Well, nobody yeah. puts Shakira in the corner. And it was time for me to come out of there because I did that to myself. And, you know, to win. So my friends, they say, oh, my God, you got teacher of the year. You got teacher of the year during a global pandemic. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think about it that way. You're right. right. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's. It's not like the part that I miss is, you know, the usual pomp and circumstance of like having a banquet and doing all this stuff and yeah. really speaking at convocation. But I mean, this is just as good to be recognized, you know, just even as a Hartford student, like a product of Hartford Public Schools. You know, Hartford did this. Hartford made me, right? I was born here, I was raised here, I was educated here. So to be the teacher of the year for this city is almost, not almost, it's it's a win for Hartford too. How, how Do your students know about your past and you being from Hartford and coming through the school system? Oh yes, especially, I tell, I tell my students all the time. So when I introduce myself every school year, I have my little PowerPoint with my fun facts about myself and I tell them that I graduated from classical. And I'm, so I, you know, I'm able to relate and I was like, I know all about taking Latin. I know all about doing yeah. philosophy and all that stuff. So they do know that. They know my story, how I didn't graduate yeah. um, on stage and how that was just so traumatic for me. And I say, don't be like Miss Perez. You know, do what you got to do. Um, so, yeah, they know. They know. Some of them know that I live, you know, a couple blocks down from the school because they see me sometimes when they when they ride their bike. And I think that's important too, you know, like I know, and, and that's a conscious decision of mine. I, I've always said that I wanted to work and live in the same community because, you know, I, I had that at some point, there were some teachers that we had and we knew that they lived in the West End. And sometimes we would go right. on walks and we would see them gardening. And it's the same thing with my, my kids here. They see me in the front yard and they see me like planting stuff. They don't offer to help but they'll say hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. what's, the, um, what's the best part about 
classical magnet school, you teaching at classical magnet school was the best part of your day? The best part of my day, um, you know, it's just even parking the car and walking in the building. Like there, to me, I have, I take great pride in being a teacher here, right? Because I was a student, I'm able to give back to the students. Like I know what I received, so it's important for me to give that back to my students as well. I had the best teachers, I had support and I had encouragement. And you know, I, I every day that I come here, like that's that's the main objective. That's my learning target. I got <laughs> that's that's dope. That's what's up. What what's the toughest part about um, coming to work each day in the role that you do? Uh, the toughest part would have to be, you know, you have the students that, there's a number of students that you can't always reach, right? Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, I don't know if, if it's their home life, I don't know if it's a personality thing. You know, a coworker told me a long time ago, like, you can't save everyone, even though I want to. I want to save all of them. Yeah, that's what but educators want to do. Yeah, but you can't save them all. And it's just kind of sometimes just pushing them out of the nest to see what they can do on their own. I don't know. It's just it, it, that that's the part that's challenging for me. It's just that I can't save them all. And I, I want to. And I just, you know love them and and teach them responsibly and hope that they will get it together so you know the fun, the crazy thing is seeing your face and everybody can't see your face right now mm -hmm. listening to this you can you can see the anguish in your face about that disappointment <laughs> when it when it comes to having conversations about man I, I really wanted to reach that student and i couldn't right and i and i know that feeling as well being a teacher and a principal and being like Man, but if you just listen to, even being a father, sometimes, yeah. right? You're like, I, right. I, you know, I really, I wish I could reach this knucklehead dude, but he's not, he's not picking up what I'm putting down, right? right? So sometimes um, they'll come back to you and they'll let you know later on that they were listening to you mm -hmm. and they did, you know, they did pick it up eventually, um, but at that moment, sometimes it's just rough. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from on that right. one. Um, and I, and you know, just to kind of piggyback off you, off of what you said, I, I think that's like, that's, you know, while that's the challenging part, that's also part of one of the most rewarding parts as well is when they do come back. Yeah. Because I've had, you know, I've had students come back and say, you are my favorite teacher. And I was like, how is that even possible? Like you cuss me out every day, <laughs> but they, but they'll come back and they'll say, no, no, no. You know, I, I really listened and you know, even teaching seniors is hard too, because as much as I tell them, this is a graduation requirement, like you need to get a 60 or better, you have to do your work. And yep. when they don't, you know, meet that requirement, all of a sudden I'm the worst teacher in the world. But then, you know, they'll come back and they'll say, that was the best thing that happened to me. Is yeah. that, you know, the, the lesson that they learned. And I say, okay, you know. Well, that's cool to be that, that kind of teacher as well. And so we've been back now. Um, I don't know when this show will air, but we've been back for about one, two, three, four, five days of school, six days of school um, at this point. 
in COVID land, in hybrid land, in group A, group B, um, full person with your eighth graders. Uh, talk to me about that. What's it been like teaching during COVID? Oh my God. <laughs> teaching during COVID. So teaching during COVID has been definitely a learning experience. So I thought I was kind of savvy with all my Google Classroom and all that yeah. stuff that I do, but I realized very quickly that I was not. And so, I mean, I took it as an opportunity to learn more, right? Well, how is this gonna make me a better teacher? How is this going to help my students? So even thinking about how I'm going to deliver my lesson in a way that they can understand, in a way that I'm meeting um, the learning objectives and, and meeting them where they are and just managing all of that has been, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So when we were out in, you know, in mid-March through June, there were lots of late nights where I was just, and I'm a perfectionist. So like if I'm recording a lesson and I fumble, I'm like, nope, I got to delete it and do it all over again. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, even just doing that, there was a lot of work. Now we're five days in, it's still a lot of work. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I have to, you know, I do have my eighth graders that I see um, almost every, no, every day, I, almost every day because of our schedule, almost every day I see them. I have some seniors that I see, but then managing my virtual classes and like splitting my time between the eighth graders and the 12th graders, I'm still, I'm still working on that. Yeah. And, you know, it's sometimes it almost feels like, because I want to deliver the same lesson that I just gave the in-person 12th graders, I want to be able to share that same experience with the virtual kids. And there's just not enough time for that. Mm. And I feel like I'm selling them short too, but I'm working it out. You know, I, I do supplement and, I, and I'll say, you know what, I wasn't able to get to this, so I'm going to record myself and then I'll upload it tonight. So oh, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Being creative like that and recording yeah. yourself. Um, right. If you could tell, if, if there was a message you had for your fellow teachers um, regarding this situation right now. I know you did your convocation speech and that was a couple weeks ago too, mm -hmm. right? It seems like we talked about this off air, how it seems like it's been, you know, already four months. And so, you know, oh my gosh, um, yes. but if you did have a message for the first week of school, um, almost being completed, basically at least five days, what would that be for your fellow teachers? For the teachers, I feel we, we need to be patient. You know, we need to be patient. We need to be flexible. We need to laugh. We need to cry if we need to. We need to mm -hmm. just feel all the feels, do all the things. I mean, this is, it's not easy for everyone. I feel like, you. I was having this conversation with a friend last week who, in North Carolina, who called me on the first, our first first day of school and yeah. said, hey, I heard what happened in Hartford. What are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were going back and forth having this conversation. And I said, you know, our education system is traditionally like not set up for this, right? We are supposed to be in a school building, in a classroom, in front of kids, interacting and, you know, having these connections and energy and all of this stuff. And it's just different. You know, I feel like 
the, the glitch in the matrix of the world has really thrown us upside down. And now we have to really think about, you know, how we do things and, and what we do and just making sense of it all. So yeah. a lot of that comes with patience. Like we just gotta be patient. You gotta be open. You gotta be open to learn new things, open to suggestions, open to messing up, open to succeeding and just take it all in stride. Now I'm gonna throw some of that onus back on uh, folks like me back at central office um, and representing the district level. And again, you are the teacher of the year. You are the spokesperson, right? That's out there. If you had some, if you had something to tell us, right? In order to support you guys more that are on the front line doing all the work, putting it in with our students, what would you tell us? Or, you know, what would you ask of us? So for central office, I do believe that here's an example. Yeah. So in the English language arts department, there are certain assessments that we have to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the assessments are supposed to be done in person where you have to hear the student say a list of words and just assess on, assess them on the grade level that they're on. Yep. So they are still requiring us to do this. And I have 43 eighth graders in a virtual class. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how to do that. And we haven't really been shown or, or we haven't like been given any guidelines to do it they just say you have to do this assessment okay well help us someone give us a tutorial why don't you guys come and help us do this take yeah. my virtual class and you do it because you want me to do that and give a pre-assessment and do this and do that and and it's funny because they're saying okay we want to focus on social 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 emotional learning, learning yeah. but we still have to give all these assessments and so you have to pick your poison like what do you want me to do i could do one really really well and is is that assessment really that important at this moment right now or yeah. can you trust my professional judgment to give my students what i need them to what they need or what i think that they need right. so you know that's that's just an example of that. I do think that, um, you know, when everything happened with the first day of school, I do think that we came back too soon. Okay. I think that we came back, you know, coming back the very next day without figuring out glitches and things like that. I feel like there should have been like a, a, a run through, right? Maybe one more day where we're like, okay, let's make sure that all of the computers are working. Let's yeah. make sure that everything has been re-imaged. Maybe just being, I mean, this is all like, you know, in retrospect, but then really coming back on that Monday, having worked everything out would have been, would have been more beneficial than just kind of scrambling in those last two days to, to get things together, because that was stressful. That was, that was stressful for me as a teacher. It was stressful for me as a parent. I have a son that goes here. He's a junior at Classical and, you know, just getting him what he needs in terms of He's asking me, he's like, mom, what do I do with my Google? I was like, I don't know, pumpkin. Like, I just, I don't know anything. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was, I can imagine, I can imagine what it was for parents. So, so 
off that note, and I, I want I want to go on appearance, but I want to touch on this. How was so was staggering better? And I and I do want to tell you before. Let me let me do this one first. Mm-hmm. Forty three kids. We're working on that, right? We're trying okay. to make sure that everybody you know is situated where they have enough um, adult support for the size of these classrooms that are happening in person and online. The second thing I wanted to bring up was staggering the school system. I did get good feedback that at least staggering those days for the first week of school for students coming in was better than everybody returning at once. I agree with that. I do agree with that. I don't, what I don't agree with is the, the grades, right? So for yeah. us, it was like seventh grade and ninth grade on that Thursday and then like six, eight, 10 through 12 on the next day. I do think they should have just kept it middle like six through nine yep. and then 10 through 12. I think that would have made a little bit more sense. Yep. Um, but I do, the staggering was good. I do agree with that. Um, but I just think the, the way that the grades were divided was just a little off for me. Okay. Now I want to get to the parents. And by the way, we appreciate the feedback, right? If we're going to get feedback from any teacher, it got to be our teacher of the year. So thank (laughs) you for honest and open feedback. Um, What would you tell your parents right now that are listening? I would tell my parents the same thing I would tell my colleagues, and it's all about being patient. We are figuring this out the same way that you are. You know, I, I know that parents are anxious they they probably want to be at work or have to be at work but they can't be because their child is you know doing remote learning um and then if like an assignment isn't posted or something is wrong you know we we just got our devices back for us to have like you know these google meets and have you know face it well face to face on a screen um, interactions with the students and some you know some some teachers quite honestly the older teachers they just they just don't know, right? They're not as tech savvy as, you know, the younger teachers are and can like manage all of that and navigate through all of these things. Um, So they had a hard time. So it's just, you know, we're all learning. So we are just have a little patience with us. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're doing, we're doing the best that we can. And to be honest, I I think, um, I know at least here at Classical, we have banded together, like the staff, we help each other out. You know, the yesterday, um, one of my colleagues wasn't connected on his device, so I brought my laptop over so he can have his Google Meets, and we just yeah. really are working together and really trying to get through this. I mean, that's the only thing that we can really do right now, in, in, in addition to teaching their children, but, you know, we can just band together, and if we do that, then we'll, it'll be, it'll be right. It'll give us a few weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Um we're about at the end of our uh, session here. Anything else you want to tell people about um, being a teacher of the year or classical magnet school or Hartford schools in general? Where would I be without Hartford public schools, <laughs> right? I would be teacher of the year without Hartford public schools. And, you know, we may not be perfect, but I mean, we do have wonderful teachers. Um, you know, we have programs. Oh, we have programs in the city. I mean, though they're limited, but we have programs in the city that can help the students. I mean, I just, 
I am so grateful for Hartford Public Schools because, I mean, this was the first district that I applied to yeah. when I came back from California and I decided that I wanted to get back into teaching. This was the first district that I applied to and that hired me. Classical was the first teacher, the first school that hired me. And like, I can't see myself anywhere else but here and but in Hartford. All right, so one last thing we ask our um, participants that come on this show is, give me something that you've either, the last thing you read that was pretty cool or what you're binge watching right now or that people need to see. Oh my God, I'm addicted to shows about drug cartels. So <laughs> I've been watching, <laughs> no, I've been watching, um, so there's a, the soap opera is called La Reina del Sur, which means Queen of the South. So they oh, have oh, that. Oh, are you kidding me? My wife is all over that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, so they have the Spanish version, which is oh, like the soap opera, yes. And then each episode has about, each season has about 60 episodes. So it's all in Spanish and it's really good. So I watched that like all COVID. What right? station is that on? It's on Netflix. The Spanish version? Spanish version. It's called La Reina del Sur. So the, the English version, Queen of the South, yep. is based off of that. So the characters like uh -huh. Teresa Mendoza and Pote and, you know, some of the other characters is based on that Spanish soap opera. So uh -huh. I just, like, it got so bad that I was dreaming that I was in a drug cartel. I'm not, but I was dreaming that I was in the drug cartel and, like, doing crazy stuff like Teresa Mendoza. <laughs> So that's what we got to check out. Say it again in Spanish. I'm so, so I'm gonna get killed for this, by the way, because my wife is Puerto Rican. Okay. Uh, say it again in Spanish. La Reina del Sur. La Reina del Sur. See, yep. I, I can speak Queen it. of the South. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's the last thing I binge watched. And then <laughs> the last book that I read, which is actually in the curriculum, is called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. And it is now like one of my top favorite books. It's it's so good and I cannot wait to teach it. Okay, what is it about? If it's in our curriculum, what is it about? So it's about this Dominican girl in Harlem and it's all about her growing up with, her mom was very strict and religious and she, she found her voice through poetry. And so mm. it's like her, her story about that. And it, it, it was so good, like even there was a, at the end of it, there was a part that I read and I just got so teary-eyed and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And I just, I was so excited. Like the whole book is marked up and I like dog-eared it and I'm like, I'm going to show them this page and I'm going to do this and I, I can't wait to teach it. So is this for eighth grade or the 12th? The 12th grade. The 12th grade. Yeah, it's for 12th grade. That's good. And that's, that's great um, cultural responsiveness. Yeah. Great to pull out a book like that out. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's big in our um in our culture right now um there's a ton more that we could talk about but i, Absolutely. I up against the clock so you got a promise to come back i will come back whenever you need me to come back okay i i appreciate that um we have been speaking with this has been let's talk harper public schools i've been speaking with our teacher of the year for 2019-2020 miss shakira perez english teacher from classical magnet school thank you thank you thank you once again um, welcome thank us. you um and so until next time guys you can catch us on 89.9 qfm in Hartford, connecticut we are also streaming on wt wqtq.fm 
and available on the CastBox podcast platform and on Hartford Public Schools website. So um, signing off, this has been uh, Tyrone Richardson with uh, Let's Talk Hartford Public Schools. Thank you. (laughs) 